0: Is nullification good? Well, yes, in principle. But as Gary explains, and before we get too excited, the nullification bill working its way through the Tennessee legislature is not the right tool and indeed could get us into murkier waters. What we need instead are a few good men and women with the intellectual force to understand our constitutional order and the moral force to uphold it. The instrument of nullification already exists. We just need to use it. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Now please tell me you know this song. I've heard it. Well, when you hear the the sweet vocal tones of Michael McDonald, you'll know.
1: <laughs> I don't know the name. Definitely heard this song, though. This well, one I do know. Okay. Well, the title the of the name. song
0: is What a Fool Believes. It's Doobie Brothers, but it's Doobies with um, Michael McDonald. Back, back in the day,
1: yeah.
0: So let's let it go to the chorus, because I want to... I want to use the chorus as an introduction point for Gary. (laughs) Here we go, here's the chorus.
1: Totally lost as to where this is going. By yeah, the way. I know.
0: Well, I, I'll, I'll tie it all together.
1: okay So let's watch this magic trick.
0: Yeah, that's right. So this is a this is a creative magic trick. Okay. So ba- bear with me, right? Not all magic tricks can be be quick magic tricks like little card tricks that pop up your sleeve or a rabbit pull out of the hat. All right, so let me let me read some of these lyrics because. Sometimes when a a songwriter or a band phrases the lyrics, you lose the meaning of them. Uh, Popular song from the 70s, What a Fool Believes, uh, lead singer Michael McDonald, obviously the Doobie Brothers. And when I read you these lyrics, I want you to take the word her in your mind and transpose it with the United States of America. Uh, America is the her in this song, okay? Okay. He came from somewhere back in her long ago, the sentimental fool don't see, trying hard to recreate what had yet to be created once in her life. She musters a smile for his nostalgic tale, never coming near what he wanted to say, only to realize it never really was. She had a place in his life. He never made her think twice. As he rises to her apology, anybody else would surely know he's watching her go. But what a fool believes he sees, no wise man has the power to reason away. What seems to be is always better than nothing, and nothing at all keeps sending him somewhere back in her long ago. So the song is about a a woman who never had a relationship with this guy, and he's living in a world of dreams. And while everybody else can see the reality of, dude, you never had a chance with this woman, he still... It is living in his dreams and believing that it's better to have that, right? It's it's better to have to live in a dream than nothing at all. So now, they say. Now, it's, it's
1: what they it's what they want us to. Think.
0: Yeah. So now, guess how I'm going to tie that into our podcast and what I'm going to lead you up to talk about. It's better to live in the truth. Absolutely, better to live in the truth. And who's not living in the truth? Well, we ain't. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly <laughs> on several levels yeah so let's talk about election integrity not only
1: here in williamson county but everywhere.
0: yeah so i know before we came on air you reminded me that well ticket sales have already closed so i'm not doing a whole lot of good advertising this event other than to say if you've if you've bought a ticket and you're coming you're going to have a great event on saturday this saturday at um embassy suites uh behind the curtain but if, if you read those lyrics and think of the United States and then you move to the subject of elections and election integrity, there's such a desire to believe by many in, in America that elections are secure, right? That American citizens' participation in a representative government is still meaningful. And it can't be reasoned away no matter how much evidence of fraud is produced, mm. right? Proving... That one's worldview is not informed by the facts and the circumstances. Rather, one's interpretation of the facts and circumstances is determined by your worldview. Everyone has ultimate criteria, right? This network of presuppositions, they're not measured empirically, but in terms of which all of our observations and experiences are interpreted, and that influence the way we view reality. And only when you believe what is true can you actually see things as they really are. Now... To set that up with an analogy or a metaphor or a story, have I talked about the the ship on the horizon story on this podcast? I don't think so. Okay. So, Gary, imagine if you and I are at the Pacific Ocean, notwithstanding the political <laughs> challenges of California, right? Let's say we're in, in Southern California, Orange County, so a little more conservative. And we're on the beach, and we're looking toward the west. The sun is setting, and we see an oil tanker headed toward the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there talking and watching. and And let's say for clarity, it's the only vessel on the ocean. So we're talking about it, and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller as it heads toward the horizon. Eventually, the vessel disappears from sight, right? Now, what has happened to that vessel? Well, some would say that the Earth is round,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's followed the curvature of the earth,
0: yes, so we would all say that right, because mm-hmm. we believe what is true about this sphere of the earth, but let's say that one of us and i'll I'll take the fall here for the purpose of the analogy, let's say that I believed the world was was flat mm-hmm. so even though you and I had seen the exact same factual circumstance. Mm-hmm our response is entirely different, right? Right. You're going to say, okay, let's go back and get dinner. I'm going to say, hold on, Gary. That ship just went over the horizon. All those lives, however many men were working on that ship, are gone. But I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to call my legislature. I'm going to say, guys, we need to pass laws to keep vessels from sailing close to the horizon so they won't fall off, right? And I won't stop there. I'll say... And we need to also pass legislation to disallow children and people, actually, from swimming in the ocean, because an undertow might suck a child away from his parents and over the edge of the earth. And I'm going to go even further. I'm going to say, you know what? We need to ban the building of ships altogether, mm. because if we ban building ships, then ships can't go in the ocean, and they can't go over the edge of the earth, That's right? right?
1: I like where you're going, Kevin. Yeah, it's good. So all of this... Ban all that.
0: Yep, ban all of it. Not because... I saw a different set of facts, right? You and I saw the same thing, but because my worldview was entirely different. And because in this case, my worldview was wrong, right? I created all of this extra chaos and drama and problems based purely on my belief, right? So, I offer this as a preamble to the discussion of this election integrity event because our our refusal to confront reality about this, to see the world the way it is, rather than as we might wish it to be, to believe that we are still simply able to elect ourselves back to freedom, right, is only going to delay our recovery and prevent recovery from being possible at all. So with that long setup and hopefully artistic connection to one of my favorite bands of the 70s, Gary— <laughs> Let's go behind the curtain.
1: Well, I think to some degree it is a need to accept a reality that is not necessarily true. I mean, I think in the midst of all that we're experiencing and all that I, I, don't, I don't know how much people can honestly take. I think some people just have a need to check the election box and just not believe that fraud exists, because if if they have to believe You know, and one more of these "quote unquote" conspiracy theories, Mm -hmm. then everything they knew or they thought they knew, you know, just crumbles around them, and that's that's sort of what I sense. I I sense a, um, a a tiredness in people. You know, a reluctance to have some of these conversations because they really want to believe in a false reality. You know, and I get that. Like I I I understand. You know the human nature. It's almost like a, a self-protection mechanism. You know, I'm not gonna Absolutely. allow myself to go any further because I know that I can't take it. But look, the thing the thing about this weekend uh that I'm excited about is that we're we're diving into not just a bunch of conjecture, but things that have legitimately happened around the country. And not only happen around the country, but have happened right here in Tennessee and even right here where we are in Williamson County. You know, in fact in twenty twenty one And, you know, our friend Kathy Harms mentions this a lot, this issue that happened on Dominion machines back in 2021 that was not caught by our election commission. It took a local group of conservatives that were poll watching to catch what was happening
0: right here in Williamson County, right
1: here in Williamson County. And some months later, after an investigation was triggered, it was legitimately found that there was Uncertified software being used, and there was something wrong with the algorithm. There wasn't. There was a legitimate error, which, by the way, an error that they were able to repeat. It was a repeatable error. That error that was now found, um, I think, by the EAC. It was a CISA report or something like that.
0: EAC yeah. stands for Election
1: Administration Commission. Commission, maybe, okay. and. They now call that there, – there's blogs and things that have been written across the country. They call it the Tennessee Error. It literally,
0: Nas- nationally, nationally, they're calling it the Tennessee Error? Oh, wow. Anom- I didn't know that.
1: That particular anomaly on the Dominion machine is now called the Tennessee Error. Wow. And that was only found because of a group of discerning individuals who were – unwilling to accept a false reality Mm -hmm. and look for the things that were happening around them found that so you know it's i hope people have their minds opened a little bit that you know we dispel the myth that nothing bad ever happens in tennessee and for me personally i i look to expose these machines at every turn because i just i don't trust them i think it would behoove us to recognize that anything digital can be manipulated and to assume that simply because these great Tennesseans are in control of the digital, like even if, let's just pretend that everyone in Tennessee is just a really good ethical person, (laughs) right? No sinners in Tennessee, right? (laughs) No no sinners. There's no sin in Tennessee. (laughs) You, you still have to ask yourself the question in the digital world and in the information age, you know, could this information be going somewhere else and could it be manipulated somewhere else? Well, of course it can. And we saw that happening in 2020 and several other elections where that's verified to have happened, that these this data ends up, you know, on some offshore server somewhere. So anyway, you know, we've got folks around the state that have been working on this issue. We've got uh, national experts uh, of course, Mark Finchin will be here, who has been diving deep into these things in Maricopa County mm-hmm. in Arizona. So I'm, I'm excited about it, and I, I hope we're able to further the conversation on getting secure, handmarked paper ballots here in Tennessee. Not because everyone's evil, not because all machines lie. Not, it's, we're simply – what we're saying is, well, isn't it prudent – to do as much as we can to reduce the ability for fraud to take place. Of
0: course, if we believe in free elections, absolutely.
1: And you, you, in my opinion, in the opinion of many others, you simply cannot do that with a voting machine. You are always going to be introducing such an extreme amount of variables that can cause that election to be fraudulent. You have to get the machines out of the way.
0: And think about... if you go back a few moments you were talking about the use of digital technology and and making the the point that it can be changed right at the, at the at the click of a button at the click of a mouse well to prove that isn't this why everybody celebrated the advent of digital technology in all other arenas why because we don't need as much manpower right one person can do the job of hundreds or thousands um in in the creative space where i've spent my entire business life for 32 years digital technology revolutionized the music industry the speed at which records can be recorded what you can how you can record where you can record right in your bedroom instead of needing expensive studios artwork that can be manipulated very mm-hmm. easily why would we assume then? But when we get to elections, yeah. oh yeah, it's it's all it's going to do is to make it faster. Nobody's going to try to manipulate the elections. We
1: we did all of that, and then what did we end up with? Millie Vanilli. Mm.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> two two dudes that yes, couldn't we sh- even see. <laughs> uh, what is it? Blame it on the rain. Yes, is that one of the songs? Blame it on the rain. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we should probably add that in post. Cause oh that's, my gosh, that's awesome! Blame it on the rain. I was in law school when that happened.
1: Yeah, good old, <laughs> good old digital recording. Uh,
0: and they took away Millie Vanilli's Grammy Award. So they had the stomach to the fight then, right? They had conviction that even in a non-essential, right? Because they told us music industry is non-essential. Even in the non-essential music industry... They took away an award that was wrongly given. So why wouldn't we do the same in elections? I mean, that, that
1: alone is a great case study. I mean, we, we, we brought on the popularity of digital recording. And what's the very first thing we did? We cheated. We cheated! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just...
0: No, that's a great point,
1: Gary. It's humanity. All right, and I, you know, before we move off of elections, I think it's important to say this in terms of you were talking about the advent of the computer and technology. Well, yeah, all the all of these things were invented to bring about what convenience and efficiency. The thing that people need to understand about elections is: what is it nice? I suppose if an election is efficient and convenient, sure, but the. The motivation and, you know, the necessity of an election is not that it is convenient and efficient. It is that it is secure exactly. and accurate. And that
0: is what you want. And to that point, our elections were actually more efficient prior to digital technology. Remember, we always used to get the results. The same day. The same day before we went <laughs> you to You can't bed. do that anymore. We knew who was president. Oh, can't do that now. Yeah, it's, I, there's no question. Our audience obviously knows that. But, again, important event. Can't wait to see uh, how that goes and to be able to have some um, – you're going to do some video footage, right, that we'll release and, and use um, and use. Yeah, for we'll have all and, these and,
1: sessions available um, after the that'll fact. That'll be great. So looking forward to that.
0: Hey, um, I realized I haven't used this in a while, so I'm going to – like playing cards and playing your wild card, I'm going to play my Mike Boozer Wears glasses. Hey, all right. <laughs> it's been cool. a long time. All right, so – Shifting subjects, just for a second, because I found this fascinating. Um, And here's your quiz question. Yes. I'm going to set it up. Gary, did you know that when Albert Einstein published his Theory of Relativity, the establishment scientists of his day, this was 1931, the elites, or what we might call the ruling class of scientists, published a book in response. Do you know the title of that book? I don't. This is funny. The title of that book was 100 Authors Against Einstein. (laughs) Of course. 100 Authors. That's That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's typical. (laughs) Leading scientists, the experts of 1931 were so threatened that they gathered what we might call a consensus, right, of the echo chamber to denounce Einstein's theory, not because they had any evidence that it wasn't true or that they believed the theory um, should be tested, but rather why because any theory that they didn't come up with, right, might diminish their status as experts mm-hmm. and all of the accoutrements of power and money that go along with this. Sound familiar?
1: I think that's clearly happened in every scientific advancement So it's, throughout man- mankind. In a way, it's
0: comforting, isn't it, to know that that scientists weren't just doing this today. They've yeah. always been doing it. It's funny. By the way, I'm not making any... Um, I'm not here to be a special (laughs) pleader for the theory of relativity. I'm just using that as an example of when a new idea comes, whoever's in power wants to prevent that from happening. But my father used to uh, quote a limerick that was popular back in the day to explain in simple terms to children what the theory of relativity is. You want me to say it? It's really short. Go for it. There once was a lady named Bright, whose speed was much faster than light. She went out one day in a relative way, and returned the previous night. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. Isn't that a great way. Um, but the point is nothing <laughs> other than scientists are not neutral, right? They have their own governing presuppositions, which influence not only how they review the facts, right? Just like if they're watching that ship go over the horizon, but it even determines and 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 they decide which facts and which ideas they will even consider. Right. As part of the process the, the, from the start, they'll say, well, we won't even consider those because, you know, they're racist facts. So, so we yeah. won't put it in the in the uh, in the hopper for consideration. So how's that for a Mike Boozer wears glasses?
1: That's good. Yeah. And you don't you know, that's a great that final point in today's world. You don't need a, a hundred authors against anything. You just need to say it's racist.
0: And by the way, over. I, I forgot to tell you. That's a, that's right. It's a really good point because you can you disparage the person. You don't have to argue, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, I forgot to tell you what um, you don't have to prove your point. <laughs> yeah, if you can diminish someone, and it's the tool of the left, then you don't have to um, get into an argument. Einstein had an interesting reply, though. He said. <laughs> When asked to comment on this denunciation of relativity by so many scientists, Einstein replied that to defeat relativity, one need not the words of 100 scientists, but just one fact. Now, again. Yeah, you're racist. The the fact is going to be subject to interpretation and worldview, but I found it interesting that Einstein knew exactly what they were about, and he didn't say, oh, my gosh, 100 people disagree with me. That's funny. So let's talk about Tennessee.
1: Yeah, another Mike Boozer wears glasses.
0: All right, good. We got to do two in one, episode, <laughs> two in one since episode. We haven't used them in a while.
1: And, yeah, for those of you wondering what in the world we're talking about, you're just going to have to go back and listen <laughs> exactly. to, to prior episodes. What episode was they're, that? They're all on there. Well, yeah, just some things going on in Tennessee. And I wanted to talk about nullification today because there is a, a bill, House Bill 726, sponsored by Representative Bud Halsey, who's one of my favorites, by the way, really, really great guy absolute patriot, strong conservative. And he's running a bill called the Restoring State Sovereignty Through Nullification Act, HB 726. And that bill is scheduled to go into committee for the first time this week and uh, also being run in the Senate by another one of our favorites, uh, Senator Janice Bowling. And, you know, a lot of folks have been emailing us and there's been a few things on social media about this bill. Of course, what makes it even more Of a larger issue is this week, or last week maybe, I should say, um, Daniel Horowitz, um, through the Blaze Media, uh, wrote an article on this and called it, you know, the most important bill, you know, this year. Um, Not only coming out of Tennessee, but
0: I think maybe— He was in North Dakota was the one he was referring to. Daniel was. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm just, I just pulled it up as you're talking. North Dakota House votes to block all existing future unconstitutional constitutional voter policies, and that's what Daniel tweeted and said. This is what, yeah, oh, you know what? I'm, is, wrong. I'm wrong. That's an older one. Yeah, there's an article Sorry. specific to the one here in Tennessee. Sorry, it's an old tweet. That's the problem with going too quick.
1: <laughs> and so Daniel Horowitz, even on a national level, has, has been, you know, propping up this bill, and so it's gotten a lot of people active and engaged. And here's the thing. I'm just going to say it up front. I can't support this bill, and I I want to talk about that a little bit. It's And it's it's not because I don't want to support it, you know, and it's not because I'm not excited about some of the initial statements concerning states' rights. You know, for example, when you look at the bill on page one, subsection number three, it makes statements like this. When we the people ordained and established the Constitution of the United States of America— The people and the states granted only specific limited powers to the federal government, with those areas of federal powers being enumerated in Article I, Section 8 of the Constitution of the United States. Goes on to say in number six, nothing in the Constitution of the United States permits Congress to delegate or confer any lawmaking power to any other branch of government because it has no enumerated powers to create lawmakers. When the president and federal courts are vested respectively with the executive and judicial powers, neither of those branches are granted general powers of lawmaking. It goes on to say, for example, in number 10, the principle of separation of powers is so innately representative of a Republican form of government that the Constitution of Tennessee – upholds and reinforces this principle of horizontal separation of powers within the three departments of Tennessee and state government. It goes this is quite a few pages long, but it mm-hmm. go but it goes on to expound on the Tenth Amendment and the uh, the ability for the states to stand up against unconstitutional federal actions. Right. And builds up the idea of nullification. Right.
0: Which, to make distinctions that part you're not you don't have any problem with the principles
1: well yeah so well certainly that that states have a a, a certain piece of, of sovereignty within this federalist republican system of government that we have and that absolutely we need to exercise those powers to push back against the encroachment of the federal government right the idea of nullification itself gets tricky, because as you and I were were talking about before the show, it's like, okay, well, I'm a state, and there's an unconstitutional act of the federal government. Well, the the nasty part is um, of all of this, well, well, who gets to determine that something is unconstitutional and therefore nullify the action of the federal government? You know, is it the courts? Is it the governor? Is it the legislature? Is it a group of people? Like, who gets to determine that, which is where all this gets really messy?
0: Well— before you talk about what the bill says, who who? Because I, I'm assuming that's where you're going. Yeah, right. It's definitely not the courts because that's one of the ways we've got here with the federal courts, right? And even if we say state courts, the courts have already usurped their powers long ago and and put themselves in the position of interpreting. So it's always been constitutionally both in 1803, actually. And the case was? Marbury versus Madison. Very good. You could be in law school, law students. You get an A for the day. (laughs) Yes. Um, I remember when I was, that was, that was something we went over the first year of law school, like first semester early on. And um, I didn't understand it at the time. I was like trying to wrap my head around it. It They gave themselves
1: the power of judicial review.
0: Yeah. And have not, not only have they not surrendered They have never stopped. They've (laughs) continued to expand it. So clearly the courts should never have that power. They, they were not designed to have that power from the start. So our founders, both at a state level and a federal level, would always say the people. But the question is the people expressed in what manner, mm. right? So I, let's, I'm interested to see what the statute says and, and really very interested to see why you don't like this particular bill and what you would like to see improved to make it better or, or the approach that you would take.
1: Well, the, the so the problem I have with the bill is that it 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 purports to address an unconstitutional action with an unconstitutional action. So, and what I mean by that is this bill itself is a bill, meaning it is in and of itself an act of our state's legislature. All right? So let's just get that on okay. the table. So so you when you look at HB Seven twenty six. The first thing you have to recognize is, as being a bill running through the legislative legislative process, this is an act of our state's general assembly. Well, within the act of this, uh, or within, I should say, this legislative act, number one, it is it is creating an entirely new bill, an entirely new process of billmaking. So it is it is setting forth the criteria of the General Assembly now putting forward what it what would be called a bill of nullification. In other words, when an unconstitutional act of the federal government happens, it is now incumbent on the state legislature to put forward what this bill calls a bill of nullification so that it can nullify that act of the federal government. And in putting forward that bill of nullification, here's the first unconstitutional thing this and you're
0: talking about when you t- uh, let me clarify
1: a new thing called a bill of nullification
0: what, but when you talk about this bill being unconstitutional you're talking about violating tennessee's state constitution yeah okay Vi-
1: violating the the powers that the legislature itself currently has yeah because number one what it's doing is it is it it is pretending that it has the power to bind a future General Assembly to some action. Well, it doesn't. You can't run a bill. A, a in other words, the one hundred and thirteenth General Assembly cannot pass a bill that would require the one hundred and twentieth General Assembly right. to do something. And
0: that's what these bills are doing? They're that's not what, they're yeah. not just per per instance or per per no. assembly.
1: No, this bill is setting forward a new process called a bill of nullification. And it's telling a future General Assembly, whenever you're faced with an unconstitutional federal action, here's what you need to do and here's how you do it. You you have to put forward this this new bill of nullification.
0: So you're suggesting that perhaps the the proper process would be to amend the Constitution.
1: And I'm gonna get there and okay. absolutely okay. then it also puts forward a new billmaking process. So it, it states that if and when a future general assembly does put forward a bill of, null- of nullification, that bill doesn't go through a committee process; it goes straight to the floor. Okay, so it 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 has a it now prescribes an entirely new process hmm. by which this particular bill of nullification would move legislatively. Okay, so it bypasses committees; <clears throat> it goes straight to the floor. Hmm. It then talks about. Uh, there's a section in here, Section Nine. State nullification of federal action may be accomplished in any of the following ways. So, number one, the governor may, by the governor's own executive authority, issue an executive order nullifying the same, whereby all executive departments of the state are bound by said order. In and of itself, that doesn't sound bad, and it is saying the governor may, not the governor shall. But it it bothers me that this bill in and of itself, purports to give some power of executive authority to the governor to now create an executive order nullifying federal action.
0: Right. Especially, by the way, if it's done that way, not by constitutional amendment, and we're not operating under the Constitution, you don't have to have much of an imagination to say, let's let's say we have not just a, a rhino as our governor, right, a Republican in name only, but actually a Democrat as a governor, and some good constitutional order is instituted from Washington, D.C. I know it sounds strange, but it could happen one day <laughs> yeah. again. They're nullifying it for the opposite intent of what we would like to see, right? We think of nullification as, oh my gosh, the federal government is expanding its power and undermining the the distinction between genders and and. You know, you think of what the Department of Injustice is doing, going after parents and going after essential oils instead of going after Pfizer. All of those (laughs) things—I know, that's another topic. All of those things are what we get excited about. The the concept and theory of nullification excites us because it's about putting our arm upright and saying, stand athwart, we're going to go forward with liberty again. But if the bill gives the governor that kind of power— and it's a governor not to our liking, then it's the whims of that governor, which may or may not nullify something that we would want.
1: And, well, and even the legislature, it's like that's that's sort of the that's sort of the the sticky conversation around nullification is, well, who who's to determine that your interpretation of what is unconstitutional is actually unconstitutional? Right. And, and that's it's it's troubling, which is why it's unfortunate to some degree because of the the. The way the courts are structured and the depravity we find in the courts. But I think that's why we've sort of all agreed that these issues must be solved in a court, right or wrong, because who else and how else do we accept the determinations of what is constitutional and what is not? It, it's just it's a hard question to answer for me. Well, personally. Sti-
0: <clears throat> it still has to be the people, though. It, if we – you're not suggesting we leave it to the courts.
1: No, I'm suggesting that the people need to give that power to somebody, and I don't know that we've actually
0: we, – You we, mean instead of exercising it themselves through the legislature?
1: Oh, well, I'm no, saying. No, I'm no. saying
0: the people – it seems to me that amending the Constitution to provide this and to provide the – with specificity, right? So it's not loosey goosey and an executive can go do whatever he wants. Which
1: is which is where I'm heading with this. Okay. So so I think the last thing this this bill does is it has a stipulation in here that let's just say the governor fails to act and the legislature fails to act, there's a there's a process by which 2000 registered voters in the state of Tennessee can submit a petition of nullification to the speaker of the house by which would start a process that now the legislature starts a process of nullification because of a petition filed by 2,000 or more registered voters of the state.
0: Okay. That um, can also go wrong because...
1: They can go horribly wrong. Jeez,
0: you could find 2,000 radicals to nullify something that... <laughs> that's right. You know, you know we have our, our freedom of speech under the First Amendment is protected, and they want to nullify that, yeah. right? You get 2,000 radicals, that's... Dangerous.
1: So so here I think at the end of the day is is my issue with the bill. It, it's not that we should not be standing up to the federal government and asserting states rights. I, I hope that everyone who's followed Tennessee Stands and has listened to me speak that that is one of the main things I speak about. In fact, I've said this often. That is precisely why I started Tennessee Stands is, is for the purpose of we we can't control the White House. We can't control California, nor do I want to control California, mm-hmm. but we can control what happens here in Tennessee. And I believe that in all of the nonsense that is coming upon us now and in the future, it is going to be our state's rights and our ability to to act as independent. Um,
0: independent sovereign.
1: Yeah, is, is what's going to protect us from the nonsense that is coming. Okay, however, the way which we go about that in terms of preserving constitutional order is important. So what I I would tell everyone is if you want to put a process in place by which you are prescribing a, a new process to the legislature or a new power to the executive or the people are expressing the ability by petition to express themselves in some way to petition the legislature or anything of the sort, That is not an action that that can be undertaken by a legislature. They don't have the power to put those new things in place. Mm -hmm. That's the point I'm trying to get across. If we want to put a process called a bill of nullification forward and we want to give the legislature some – new process by which to nullify a federal action, or we want to give the governor some sort of powers by executive order to nullify, even if if we even want to do that, we have to do that through the Constitution. Right. The the only reason so the, and this is really it I don't want people to miss this because this is the seminal point we always try to get across when we're talking to people about their constitutional rights and and the the limited powers of government. The government only has the powers which we give them. Exactly. And that is done through the Constitution. But Mm -hmm. we've got conservatives all over the state and folks like Daniel Horowitz writing about what a great bill this is. And I'm like, well, well, okay, just hold the phone for a minute. The legislature can't give itself
0: new powers. right? So would it be different if the legislature – passed a bill to nullify a certain act of the federal government. In other words, instead of expanding its power and saying, in the future, this is how we deal with this, what about a federal overreach today, and we nullify that specifically through one specific bill today?
1: Mm -hmm. So that's another great point. I would, when, when we talk about nullification and state sovereignty and standing up against tyranny, I would argue that all of the power to do that exists Ex-art, right exists. now. Yeah. And and the issue is not that we don't have a process to nullify unconstitutional federal actions. The problem is that we don't have the men and women with the stones yeah. and the constitutional knowledge to do so. Exactly. That so, is the problem.
0: So it seems to me, and legislatures do this a lot, right? They want to make it appear, and I'm not suggesting that this may or may not be behind this particular bill. But too often, whenever we want action, on especially on our side of the political spectrum, those who represent us always say, okay, but we got to take it one step a, at a time. We've got to put in place this process, which will lead to another process, which will lead to another step, and eventually we'll do something. And I agree. I think that that's more a way of giving lip service to the issue to make it look like they did something without making them have to commit today. Kind of like when we talked about with with Russ vote last week, what Greg Abbott is doing in Texas, right? He's he's giving the the appearance that he's doing something that the Constitution requires him to do to prevent an invasion, but what he's really doing is avoiding the ultimate step that takes the real courage. And I agree with you, Gary. Right now, we already have both because our founders at the federal level and our founders, at uh, the the founders and the those who drafted the Tennessee Constitution already provided us these rights, right? We've got it under the 10th Amendment. It already exists. We just need to have the courage to actually do that, to pass a bill. To, tell me what it is you want to nullify, legislature, and nullify it right now. Don't yep. create some new process.
1: So, you know, at the end of the day, to your point, this bill, I, I, I think... There's a group of well-meaning conservatives and, and a bunch of Tennesseans who are excited about pushing back against the federal government are, are supporting this bill that would pretend that it has the power to force a squishy legislature to do something that it should be doing mm-hmm. already but that mm-hmm. they that they realize it won't do. And what what I'm saying is, well, I understand why you want to do that, but this bill can't do that. Right.
0: And it only clouds it, right? Yes. It's kind of like the Religious Freedom Restoration Act at a federal level, right? Why was that necessary? I'm talking about the one going back to the Clinton administration. Why was that necessary if we just had people at that time who would have said, the Constitution already protects these rights. That's right. We don't need to create new legislation because then in the future, all they do is they argue about that legislation rather than the Constitution they get further and further and further askew from the foundation of those rights
1: yep so so in trying to force a squishy legislature to do things that it already ought to be doing but it is not I just want to put forward um, number one that the root cause is we need better men and women in those seats but but if we're going to try to force their hand again you cannot do that through the act of the legislature Mm -hmm. you must do that through the constitution Constitution. for it is the constitution which is the will of the people and in all of our pontificating about states rights it would be a shame if we actually if we lost that in all of this
0: yeah and those distinctions are important so i'm with you gary I, i understand it now a lot more when you first started mentioning this before we came on the air i I was very curious where this was going. But I, I do understand now, and I hope our audience understands, it's always it's always easy to get drawn into the enthusiasm about what the principles are. But if the process is not right, those principles themselves will be undermined.
1: Yeah, that's well stated.
0: All right. That's what I've got for today.
1: Till next week. We should exit on some... uh
0: little more doobies?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Kevin, have a great rest of your week. Yep.
0: To Gary. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.